Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us on bleedcubbyblue.com, and we blast every episode and related content from our Twitter at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi guys, I'm Andy Cruz Banasek, and I am officially entering the standing watch zone. What is the standing watch zone? So, like, you know, you always kind of keep an eye on the standings. Oh, yeah. I am like officially like watching them now. Okay, so I have to confess what I thought you meant originally. And like, clearly, that makes more sense than what I was thinking, but (laughs) it's kind of late on Wednesday and I've been working all day because <laughs> I've got this project at work that I'm like super up against the deadline on um not Cubs work other work but anyway so when I was at Wrigley Field uh the, earlier this week I was sitting in the very right field corner and there's this area this like walkway that says no standing and they're very strict about enforcing it but people kept standing there to try to get Nick Nicholas Castellanos's uh attention that is hilarious it was great and so i was like the standing watch zone is that like where they were trying to wave at nick (laughs) um i will i will also be part of that if i need to be if that's a thing i will be part of it i I think it's a thing i think the next time you're here we're gonna have to go over there and try to get his attention a (laughs) hundred percent i'm in all right so anyway uh the the home cubs definitely home cubbed uh, which was great. And, you know, there was one game where it wasn't kind of great and another game that definitely wasn't for the faint of heart. But overall, I was pretty happy with this athletic series and definitely happy with a 5-1 homestand. What are you thinking, Andy? Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what we talked about on our last podcast, that I would be extremely happy with this series taking two of three of this. So, yeah, I'm definitely, while the loss was a, a big loss in, in more ways than one. Um, the wins were quite great. And I know that people were super nervous about Monday and it was kind of a scary game. And we were like probably inches away from losing that. Um, or at least it being a lot closer or literal even, inches. Yeah. Literal yeah, inches. Literal <laughs> inches. Yeah. Like app um, on the warning track inches. I actually, I love games like that. I hate losing them obviously, but I think it's really fun to win games like that because it kind of, it's a nice reminder that, you know, the baseball gods are still kind of Cubs fans too. (laughs) I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, game one had a lot of interesting things going on. So before this game, in case you missed it, and you must live like on a rock somewhere if you missed this, but Kimbrell went on the IL, which not great. (laughs) It meant that uh, the Cubs, the Cubs have some bullpen troubles. So they recalled Dwayne Underwood who pitched against the athletics on Tuesday. And we'll talk more about him in a minute, but C-Shack who really has just thrown way too many innings at this point came in and, and he didn't have it. I mean, I know he's a sidearm guy. I know he kind of like goes hot and cold. This was not one of his best performances. Um, And so the Cubs took what was a six to two game and made it six to five real fast. (laughs) I was having a bit of a heart attack. I mean, and I don't know if you caught this story about the the kid that hit the home run that got it six to four, I believe. Martini? Yes. 
Yes, that that's a really good story. And I'm glad that the Cubs pulled this one off because I really wanted to feel good about that story, but at the same time still win. So it was it was like <laughs> one of those things where I'm like, okay, this is really cute and all, and I'm really happy for you, but I'm gonna need the Cubs to still win. So that was that was a good story, and they really um, highlighted his family well and everything else, and that was fun, fine and, and dandy. But really, it, the bottom line was the Cubs need to win this game. Like they had a six-two lead at one point. There's no reason that you know they should lose that game. So yes, that was. Um, it was a little scary, but it was kind of fun. Scary, you know, when you win those games, it it, it ends up you're kind of like, oh yeah, that was that was cool. Thank God we won because if we wouldn't have, it would not have been so cool. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I like games like that. It was a, a great game. I mean, these this team is a tough team. You know, we came out and played some some pretty decent ball in uh, games one and three, um, and depending on who you're talking about, game two, but. Um, for the most part, it was a really cool series and, um, a lot of fun things happened and, and hopefully we'll just continue to roll here. Uh, speaking of feel good home runs, Ian Happ hit the longest home run by a cub in 2019, 474 feet, almost onto Sheffield. I, that was a monster shot. I am here for the return of Ian Happ. He's also got this red, no panic phone in the dugout which I guess is the 2019 version of the waffle maker or the microphone or all the other things that he's been associated with that are like fun and ridiculous, but I love it. The no panic phone and Ian Happ hitting long balls are like my new favorite thing. So I have loved Ian Happ since I think I probably heard his name, just a combination of things. I, I, I never really was crazy about the fact that he was kind of more on the quiet side and a little bit more reserved. And you see him in the, in the dugout with his teammates and you kind of get the idea that maybe he's not actually that way. So from what I've heard, and I've listened to a couple different um, uh, sports talk shows about this, it seems to me that um, now since he's come back up to the majors and starting the season in the minors, he's he's sort of taken on like this humble attitude where, you know, he had a huge, I don't even want to say slice of humble pie. He ate basically the entire pie and he just is like, has a kind of a different attitude. Like he's just a little bit more gracious about his time now. And um I really appreciate that about him. And I think today when they did the post-game interview with him, you could kind of tell he's got a little bit different swag about him. And I appreciate that because every once in a while, we all need that in some shape or form. And sometimes that only makes us come back better. And, you know, I'm seeing it in him and I really hope he gets more opportunities because he's really, you know, he's done well with what he's been given. So I think going forward, we'll see more of him at second base. Yeah, I agree that Hap is really trying to make the most out of this opportunity. Uh, Michael Sarami posted the exit velocities that he's had in his last six at-bats, and they are fire. I mean, he is hitting the ball hard. Even when he's hitting the ball for an out, he is absolutely crushing and seeing the baseball right now. So that's good to see. He can play a solid second base. He can play center field. He can play a more than solid left field. So I'm really happy to see Hap back and doing great things. Speaking of outfielders, um, I already mentioned <laughs> that it was sort of the Castellanos watch zone in right field. He totally has a fan club already. There were these dudes there who had like already made uh, Nick Castellanos jerseys and had like the open shirt chain look going on <laughs> trying to get his attention. It was so great. 
And that was the same day that a friend of the show, Infield Fly Girl, made her Big Nick Energy shirts, which I think are still available for order. You can see those on our Twitter account. You got to go get one of these Big Nick Energy shirts. (laughs) Fair outstanding. (laughs) I have so much to say about this guy. So much. I mean, there's, I won't, obviously, it would take the entire show, but uh, there's just so much to love about him. I mean, I feel like he's brought like a fire and an energy to this team. Um, and I tweeted about this today, and I think people take this for granted. You know, the, the, this team, before he arrived, was a team that was used to having, you know, a good amount of success overall. You know, maybe they have their, when their lows are, you know, their lows are pretty low, that sort of thing. But I mean, overall, as on a, on a whole, since 2015, this team has been pretty successful. So some of these guys don't really know how to handle losing or what it feels like to lose, you know, or be on a losing team, be on a team that's not contending for the division every year. So to have someone like Nicholas Castellanos come in and kind of give them a wake up call, like, you know, this is what I want. I've been on a losing team. I want to play on a winning team and I'm going to give it, you know, everything I have to, to do something for this team. I think he's kind of lit a fire under some of these guys. And, you know, it's, there is nothing better to see than something like that. Somebody that has the fire that wants to come out and play for a winning team and God willing, can we please sign this dude in the off season? My other thing I need to say about this guy I was totally prepared to see some circus act out in right field as far as defense was concerned, but he is not bad. Like I am not, I'm not seeing what people are talking about. I have not seen him be tested a whole lot, but at the same time, I don't feel like he's horrible out there. Like I felt like I was going to be really scared about, you know, him just being out there period. And, you know, all in all, I feel like he's been pretty solid and I just don't think there's too much to not like about him. Yeah, I think he's been fine out in right field. So far, the only thing that he did that sort of freaked me out was almost step on Jason Hayward (laughs) in his first game. And I was like, buddy, you cannot break the, like, all-star gold glove guy that we need out there. I guess he hasn't been an all-star all that recently, but gold glove for sure. I like, you can't break Jason Hayward. (laughs) I feel like you've had nightmares about this play. I was was a little traumatized by it. Um, (laughs) But... Additionally, like, I think he's great. I'm so excited. And the other thing that I just really want to talk about here, so he has a seven-game hit streak. He's only played six games as a Cub, but his hit streak dates back to being a Tiger. And he has six doubles and a home run during that time. I'm like, that's insane. Those Those are video game numbers. He currently has 43 doubles. The all-time major league record for doubles in a season is 67 it would be ridiculous for him to be able to do that he only has two months left so it's not particularly likely but the fact that that record is even something we can talk about is sort of crazy because it's one of those things that has not been accomplished since the 1930s well and let's keep in mind yesterday when the game was a blowout it was the bottom of the ninth this dude comes up and hits something that should be a single for mm, 85% of the majors and he legs out a double. I mean it's not like he's trying any less because the score is lopsided. He obviously knows what it would mean to his team to to even you know tally another run. He's just he's got hustle, he's got heart. I mean he definitely 
you know, was busting his butt. He didn't, he wasn't watching the scoreboard. And I love that in one of the interviews he did, I heard he was on the score for like 20 minutes today talking everything. And he made the comment that, you know, he's not a huge video guy. He's not an analytics guy. Like he just yeah. goes out there. What's that? No, I'm, I'm just smiling and nodding. I, I heard yes. this. This is great. <laughs> Yes. And he and he just basically made the point that I just go out there and try to hit the ball as hard as I can. And um, he doesn't like to get basically overwhelmed by all the different things that he sees in, in video and all that good stuff. He wants to know the, you know, the pitchers strikeout pitch and how fast they can throw. And that's basically all he wants to know before he goes up to bat. And I think that is so that's such an old school mentality. And that's just such a, um, you know, uh, 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 he's really worked hard on his game to be able to go up there with just that set of tools and be able to be as successful as he's been. I mean, it's quite impressive. When I heard that, I actually had a moment where I was like, oh, he's like the anti-me in terms of how he approaches. I, kinda, I was kind of wondering how you were going to feel about him after I heard that. Because I was like, oh, he's not analytical. Oh, great. wonder what Sarah says about this. No, it's fine. Lester said some similar things like that before. It takes all kinds. We can't, we can't all be Kyle Hendricks up there with like all of his books and equations and stuff, you know. Right. Um, but you sort of started talking about game two. And so let's talk about game two, because I also love the fact that he was out there trying to lay things out and make things happen, even though the Cubs were getting kind of destroyed here. We'll start with the bad. I mean, Lester got banged up for the second start in a row, and he's not really looked great for a little while now. Uh, he threw four innings. He gave up 10 hits. There were a lot of hard hit balls here. Uh, there were 11 runs scored. Ten of them were earned. Three walks. Not great. Um, he did have six strikeouts. I mean, I part of me, I had a couple of thoughts here. One of them was that, you know, he's used to Wilson Contreras catching him. When Wilson was out before, uh, Martin Maldonado caught him, who was a decidedly more veteran catcher. Part of me wondered if maybe it was just he's not used to being caught by Caratini. That's not a great excuse, but it's something that was different. It was a variable that was different. What are you thinking about Lester? Um. So our friend Michael Sarami was actually had posted something this morning about how it feels like almost this exact time of year that John Lester has a couple starts very similar to what he did on uh, Tuesday. So like going all the way back to 2015, um, Michael posted these stats and basically it's um, he had games where and I'll just run through this roughly. Um, 2018 gave up eight earned runs 2018 right around the same time eight earned runs 2017 seven earned runs 2016 eight earned runs so I mean it's it's kind of a theme with him that right around this time of year he's 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 having a clunker or two and you know I think we're we're all allowed a bad day I mean you can't John Lester is John Lester I mean he's he's eventually going to make his way back to the great pitcher that we know he is you know, he's not okay with this performance by any means. I saw him at one point in the game, look at the dugout and just kind of shrug and say, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. Um, it also kind of breaks my heart because somebody asked him about um, Underwood's performance, how he had six strikeouts oh. in three innings or two innings. And John Lester was like, yeah, that was amazing. He probably should have started the game. And that kind of broke oh. my heart a little bit. It's like, dude, you're allowed to have a clunker. And you know, the way that the bullpen's been injured and, you know, all the different injuries that we have right now, we're kind of limping through games, you know, the back innings of games. So you kind of knew that one of these games were coming because 
we had so many arms out of commission. We had, you know, a couple people down. So it's, it's just one of those things. You don't fault him. You hate to see it. If it's going to happen, you definitely want to come back and have a game like today where obviously they can show us that, you know, it was just, you know, it was just an off game. And like I said, everyone's allowed an off day. You just feel bad for John Lester because, you know, he hates it. You know what kind of attitude he had about it. You know, he was mad at himself and he takes all the blame, Um, you know, but it also you also have confidence in the fact that he's going to bounce back because he's been through this. He knows how to handle it. He's a complete professional. You know, if it's going to happen to anybody, let it happen to him. Like you don't want to see something like this happen to Darvish, obviously, because you don't know confidence wise where he's at or, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I definitely look to John Lester for his next start to come out and just be, you know, really ridiculous and, and kind of take his anger out on, on his pitches because I just, you know, like I said, he's allowed to have an off game. You hate to see it, but it happens. We're going to talk about John Lester's next start in the second half of the show because it will come against the Cincinnati Reds. Um, I cut, one thing I did want to point out, so I spent some time looking at baseball savant data, mainly because a friend of mine on Facebook mentioned that the Cubs were hitting the ball just as hard as the athletics were. It was just a little bit of bad Babib luck. And, and what I mean by that is not that Lester had a great game and he was just suffering from bad luck, but that the Cubs really should have scored more runs in this game. If you were looking at things like expected batting average and the like, they were hitting the ball really hard and they just, those balls were not dropping or they were turning into double plays or line outs. So it's not so much that they got completely well on the scoreboard. They definitely got wrecked in this game, but there was a little bit of luck involved there too. I mean, Joe did what he does best, which is lighten the mood. And I actually took a picture. So I was there um, hanging out with some friends. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But I took a picture right before the seventh inning stretch, and it was still packed. Everybody was there. Everybody was having a good time. You know, the Cubs were down 11-2 at that point. (laughs) Kind of like if you're in any other ballpark, you would expect fans to be migrating home, particularly on a work night. And they weren't. Uh, The place was still probably 80, 90% capacity. Everybody was sort of doing their thing. And that's really a testament to this team and how much the city loves them. Um, But it was also just, I mean, it was fun. And there were things to see at the end. You saw Kyle Schwarberg. (laughs) an appearance at catcher where I'm fairly certain the first time since 2015, he might've thrown like one inning back there in 2017. I didn't go back and check that before the show. Taylor Davis pitching. I mean, (laughs) Hey, Hey. Um, So, you know, props to Joe for doing that and props to Cubs fans for sticking that one out. And a couple of special shout outs, a friend of mine from my normal day job happened to be in town from Texas. I got to show him around to some of the cool areas and the bleachers where like they have, um, the tributes to all of the historic players that the Cubs have had and some of the memorabilia from years past. We didn't have bleacher seats, so we couldn't go all the way in, but we took some pictures there, hung out by the bullpen a little bit. And then I also got to hang out with our friend Crawley, who's always fun to hang with for a Cubs game. So that was fun. I don't mean to be the get off your lawn person, right? Get off my lawn person right now, but I was not especially happy with the Kyle Schwarber, Taylor Davis thing. And that was just mainly because we're down a catcher. Caratini took some spikes to the hand and very easily could have came out of that game injured. And then we have our only other legitimate catcher pitching 
and the our emergency catcher catching at that point. So I don't know. I was a little mind blown by that. I was like, oh my gosh, there are so many bad things that could happen right now where we would be in a complete jam. So enter Wednesday when we sign Jonathan Lucroy, but still, I didn't know that yesterday. <laughs> I, was I, mean, a little, that's fair. I was a little concerned. It was just, it, to me, I was just like, there's so many, it's 11 to two game. There are so many things that could go wrong right now. One play could essentially wipe out two catchers. I mean, it just, I just, I guess I was being like a nervous Nilly about it, but I mean, in in all reality, things have happened, things happen. And, you know, yes, I try to look at the fun side of games like that, but just, you know, us being in the situation we are in, in our, you know, catcher position, it was just not, it was not good for my stomach. I I think I might've gotten an ulcer watching that inning, so. (laughs) I mean, I almost texted you when I saw Kyle Schwarber was catching because I wanted to know. You were thinking about it, but oh, I decided God. that I wasn't going to interrupt like the tail end of your summer vacation. So I was like, I'm just <laughs> not going to do that. <laughs> Gosh, I know. I can't believe it's over. It's so sad. Oh, but they're going to do awesome at school. It's going to be great. Are you all ready for school? Oh gosh. Yes, people. So my children go back to school tomorrow. I have my oldest is going into middle school. She'll be in sixth grade and my middle daughter's going into fifth. And then I have a way too old first grader. So she, yeah, she definitely is not a normal first grader. So, but yes, we go back to school tomorrow. So um, it's kind of an emotional week for me, but it's all good. It's way too short of a summer, but my summer's not done because I still get to go to more baseball games. But I was going to say, the Cubs got your back. <laughs> their summer is done, but my summer is not done. So yes, we, we go back tomorrow. So wish me luck, guys. <laughs> for sure. Speaking of more baseball games. So game three was incredible. And I think we need a new category for Q. So, like, my categories for Q recently have been good Q or bad Q. And I've been, like, when he's good, he's very, very good. And when he is bad, he's horrid. But I think we need, like, new super ace level Q or something. Because what he's done the last couple of games are basically the polar opposite of what Lester has done the last couple of games. And if he can keep throwing seven innings of two-hit baseball with seven strikeouts and no walks, I'm going to be real happy with that. I mean, it's not like he's pitching against the Marlins. I mean, this Oakland team has a better record than us. I mean, they're a good team. And their offense is is pretty decent. I mean, they're pretty good. So to watch him just kind of carve his way through this lineup, not once, twice, I think he made it through two and a half times. Uh, I mean, that was that was phenomenal. Because you you look at his numbers going through the first time, and he he kind of just – cruises through and his second time gets a little bumpy but he made it look easy today and I was loving it every minute of it he looked phenomenal yeah I was also loving it I was loving that Hap got a start and hit a grand slam that was like not a cheap homer uh just let Ian Hap start can we do that I don't think that's going to be a thing anymore. I think that's probably going to happen. I think um, he's, he's definitely, you know, like I said, when he's been given opportunities, he's definitely come through. So yeah, it would be real nice to see him get some regular time. And um, it was kind of funny because Kelly Curl asked him at the end of the game, you know, how do you stay sharp? How do you stay ready to go? And, you know, how do you, how do you stay warm on the bench? And he's like, well, I've gotten quite used to that being the way that I play. So I know what I need to do, but you know what, like I said, that is part of the humbling that he's kind of taken to. And I appreciate that somebody that, you know, can, can have a little humility. I mean, that shows a lot of character and he's probably gotten a big dose of that this season. And, you know, and 
I hope for his sake that that makes him come out better. And so far he just looks awesome. So I, I think we're going to see a lot more of him. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, other people who had just great games, Victor Caratini hit a blast to center field that I frankly wasn't expecting. That was some like Schwarber type power or something there. And Schwarber went opposite field because he is that guy now. And I love it. Um, this game was great. I thought everything about this game, they came back strong after a tough loss the night before, really picked up the whole team and left the homestand five and one. It was good stuff. Listen, there is no other way to respond to the shellacking that we took yesterday than to come out the way we did today. And this was exactly, it, it makes yesterday less embarrassing, especially because Oakland only scored one run. You know, at least we put up four yesterday. That's not, you know, that great but it still it it feels good to know that yes that was that was a one-off situation obviously looking at the stats we should have had more runs just based on some of the fluky places we were hitting the ball and, and that sort of thing but today felt really good and it was definitely a good way to leave town and head to Cincinnati Awesome. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. And then on the flip side, we are going to be talking Players Weekend jerseys, which are getting a reaction from everyone. And we'll tell you our reaction. And we're also going to look at a four game series against the Cincinnati Reds. All right. So before we jump into this Red series, Players Weekend jerseys with this whole monochromatic, we're going to do white uniforms versus black uniforms thing. Yes, no. I actually like them. I know I've seen a lot of people say that they don't like them. I actually kind of like them. I am not usually one that that likes stuff like that. But for some reason, they look really sharp. Like, I could see myself wearing one. I'm kind of to be determined on how they'll look on the players. But I'm thinking more in the sense of would I wear one of those? And I absolutely would. And I'm thinking... <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'll just wait. You, you go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say. Okay, now I'm curious. Um, <laughs> so, well, well, I have a couple of thoughts. One, I, I'm not buying a Players Weekend jersey because there's no world where I can wear an all-white jersey and not spill something on it immediately. Uh, <laughs> that is going to have like, some makeup, drop of wine, mustard, something on it the second I put it on. Like, I, I won't even need to walk out of the Cub store. There will be something on it. So, <laughs> I'm not buying a Players weekend jersey I like the reason they're doing it they said they're doing it to make the player accents pop so like whatever their cleats are or their arm sleeves or the other types of things they bring to the table for that weekend will show up more on that palette I don't like the white jersey design because I think it's really hard to read like I have a very hard time figuring out the names and stuff uh, and numbers on the back of those jerseys so yeah We'll see what it looks like on the screen. I, I understand what they were trying to accomplish. I don't hate them as much as some people. I was thinking, and what I was going to say was, I'm halfway tempted to buy a Cubs um, Players Weekend jersey with Castellanos on the back. But <laughs> I don't know if I'm there yet. I mean, I love him. I love the guy. I just don't know that I want to spend that kind of money if they don't re-sign him, you know? And I feel like I have the jinx. I feel like once I buy a jersey they're gone so I think I may hold off <laughs> yeah I thought you might be saying that you wanted a uh, Cassiano's jersey I I don't he needs a different nickname artist is not 
I don't even know what that means. Like, why is he an artist? Like, I'm sure there's a reason for it. He couldn't have gone with like big energy or like the stick. <laughs> We've already given him a nickname. I imagine he had to like put that on the back before he knew what we were going to nickname him. But I sort of wish it was one of his Cubs nicknames. <laughs> I think this before it's all said and done, that man is going to have a lot of nicknames. <laughs> Yeah, he's sort of lends himself to the nickname crew. Are there any other names that you really love or dislike? I love I love that Wilson's jersey will just say Venezuela on the back. Oh, um, you, took I kind, you took mine. You took mine. I kind of wish. <laughs> oh, come on. I, got, I In what world did you think I wasn't going to take Wilson's jersey? <laughs> That's true. I kind of wish they would have let him do the emoji Venezuelan flag because they did let people do emojis, but I imagine that they didn't because there's there are explicit MLB rules about how you can use flags. Um, so that might have been. I I sort of want to know if he like asked if he could do that and was told no. Um, I would be completely irate if I see somebody walk around with a freaking poop emoji on their jersey, but Willie can't put the Venezuelan flag. Like that would be ridiculous. I'm just, I, I mean, would you put it past MLB to have that be a rule? No. I mean, because that's the way they work. I mean, is it the umpires that are at it? Because I'm sure it's them too. <laughs> um, another Sorry, name that I would like to change, <laughs> and this shout out goes to our friends at the Away Games pod, but like uh, Danny Rocket puts the carrot and then the martini glass emojis together for caratini whenever he does good stuff. And I've sort of taken to doing it too. Today I did that after his home run to center and they were like, how is this not his players weekend Jersey? And that's a great idea. So Victor Caratini, if you listen to this show for your 2020 players weekend Jersey, the carrot and the martini glass, buddy. Well, and take this as our official request, obvious shirts, but I think that should also be an obvious shirt. Oh yes. Yes. Wouldn't it, wouldn't that be make like the perfect obvious shirt? Yes, totally. I mean, uh, I would buy it. Like, you have to twist my arm to buy anything obvious shirts, but still. <laughs> okay, one more that I want to do, and then if you have another one, and then we should probably move on to the baseball talk. But I want to shout out John Lester for going with left-hander this year. I think last year or two years ago, he literally just went with his name. He was just like Le- Lester. And I was like, just try a little harder. <laughs> Well, you know what? I had a good one, but I couldn't, I can't find the list now. I had it in front of me a second ago, but what, what is Tony Kemp's? I don't, I, I have no idea. I, I, I don't have it in front of me. On it. Okay. So if you're listening to this, go look up the list. Cause I'm not going to be able to find it quick enough, but Tony Kemp has a really cool one too. I just remember thinking, I don't know who that is. And I looked it up and I was like, Oh, that's actually really cool. So go look up his, his is pretty cool too. I, I want to say that it's a wave. Oh, I'm not going to say it. Let me see if I can find it before we're done, but we can move on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So we're going to move on from Players Weekend jerseys for a minute. Let us know what you think of the Cubs nicknames and jerseys on Twitter or in the comments. Um, The Reds. So the Reds have been the Cubs kryptonite basically all of 2019. The Cubs also do not play well on the road. I I feel like they could use the momentum from this last homestand to break out of that. I hope somebody packed like some of that dirt or something from Wrigley Field to take with them. I happened to be in the Cubs Authentic store yesterday and they do sell Wrigley Field dirt in little vials for $50 a piece. So I feel like they should just like give some of that dirt to our guys in Cincinnati. Uh, 
the pitcher matchups for this series are Cole Hamels versus Alex Wood, who the Cubs have not seen this year. It's Dodgers pitcher who's been on the IL for most of the year. Then you Darvish versus Trevor Bauer, who of course is in the division now. We talked about that at length at the trade deadline. Kyle Hendricks versus Sonny Gray. And John Lester versus Luis Castillo. What are you looking for in these pitcher matchups? Holy cow. If you weren't like nervously anticipating their 10 game road trip, this is a good way to like just break you out of that quickly. These are some serious matchups. Like I am loving this weekend. This is going to be insane. My, I think my biggest one that I'm anticipating that I cannot wait to watch is Darvish versus Bauer. Like, that to me is it's either going to be extremely boring if you're if you love the offense or it's going to be like just such like a dominant performance by one of them i really see darvish coming out just blazing so i think these are great matchups like this this is this is going to be the test like whether we can break out of this nonsensical you know away crap that we've been experiencing for this season I mean you realize that we're like 41 and like 19 or something crazy at home and right away we're like almost exactly the opposite like it's it's just insane to me that we are such a different team on the road so fingers crossed I have a good feeling about this road trip um I think it's more that I'm trying to put like you know, like a, a good, um, like sprinkle good fairy dust on it. But I, I, I don't know. I, I like, I like this first series. I like these matchups. Um, I really feel like, you know, these pitchers are going to take it upon themselves and say, you know what, somebody has got to do something different. We've got to break out of this. So, um, I hope that our offense gets the memo but I, I'm really excited for this series. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for us to to break that stigma that we've had all season now. Oh, from your mouth to the Cubs' ears, I hope so too. I, I really feel like if they can just have – win a road series, right? Like win three of four here in Cincinnati, it will break whatever this like voodoo magic is about the road Cubs right now, and then they can just start doing their thing because – there's no great reason that they should play like two fundamentally different teams at home and on the road. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's absolutely uncanny. Like I've never seen anything like it. Like it's just crazy to me. So our pitching's not the problem. You know, our offense just needs to, to back them up, score a couple runs, and then we need to just hold, hold them the rest of the way. And, you know, like you said, the reds are our kryptonite, but you know what, this team has got to make some changes. They've got to flip the script if we're going to, you know, get out of this thing and make a good October run. I mean, that's just the way it has to be. Totally. Um, as far as the Reds bats go, some people who have been hot right now. So this one was kind of interesting. When I first ran these numbers, I had to actually tweak it for qualified uh, player appearances because the way that the Reds have been sort of doing some of their platoons and stuff made it difficult to get qualified numbers for the last two weeks. Um, but this kid, Josh Van Meter, has crazy impressive stats. He also does not really appear to play against lefties. So it's possible that the Cubs will only see him one time, which may, or two times, right? Hendricks yeah. and Darvish, Q, yeah. Q pitch today, two times in the series. Um, but he is doing outstanding right now. He's slashing 353, 450, 676 in his last 14 games. Their catcher, Tucker Barnhart, is also super hot right now. He's slashing 379, 471, 729 
So keep an eye out for him. And then, of course, um, Jose Iglesias and Jesse Winker are also having good runs at the moment, too. What are you thinking about the Reds' bats? I mean, I feel like they always show up against our pitching, no matter who's pitching, who's on, whatever else. Um, And I don't think that's necessarily – I mean, I think they're good hitters. I think, um, you know, for a team that's six and a half out of the division, they're not a terrible team. And they play like they're really, you know, not a bad team against us for whatever reason. But, you know, I think – our pitching can be dominant and can overpower them. I think this is the series to do it. And um, especially now because they moved Puig, who we don't have to worry about. So I think it's a good chance to kind of just shut them down and, and, and be dominant and have a a very cue like start, if you will, you know, giving up two hits through seven innings. I'd love to see that three or four of these games that would be amazing and it's not impossible it's it's totally doable although we are on the road so maybe they won't get that memo <laughs> <laughs> yeah I would definitely be here for the Cubs to like totally uh get it together on this trip uh, no Puig is helpful I don't know that he's been a total um Cubs killer but he I don't know having him not there is helpful and Hanio Suarez has been a Cubs killer, and he's not on my hot right now list, but that doesn't mean anything because he oftentimes gets hot real fast. Well, and I think another thing worth mentioning that doesn't really have much to do with the Reds, but um, let's not forget that we're adding a Jonathan Lucroy tomorrow too. He will be with the Cubs in Cincinnati for game one. So um, I'll be really excited to see um, – him in a Cubs uniform it'll be different to cheer for him and you know once upon a time he was he was you know a great a great guy to to have on on any team so hopefully he can be that Jonathan Lucroy this this next couple months yeah it would be really interesting and I I remember when the Brewers traded him that it was sort of a change of scenery thing and everybody thought that he would do so much better on a championship team and then he really kind of fell off a cliff after that He's bounced around. These have not been his best seasons recently. Maybe he can, the Cubs can catch lightning in a bottle with him for just September and he can really contribute here. I mean, once upon a time, he was an eight F war catcher, which is incredible. So we'll see. He's certainly going to give us some depth at a position that uh, was looking pretty dangerous the other night, as Andy already talked about. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, guys, let's not do that again. The other thing (laughs) worth mentioning with him, too, is that he has worked with a ton of this pitching staff and played alongside many of these guys. And he is very well respected. And there's a lot of people that are very excited about having him on the team. So I love that. I love that he has experience catching a lot of these pitchers, a lot of these starting pitchers um, and a couple in the bullpen. So that will be great. There won't be a whole lot of of information to to make up there. but. I'm just excited to see how he does. I mean, you just never know. You know, we got we got mixed reviews on Castellanos before he showed up, and here he is with a fan club, you know, seven games in. So who knows? Totally. Uh, so we will be keeping an eye on how Jonathan Lucroy does, specifically if his time catching Cole Hamels and you Darvish pays off for the Cubs. We will also be keeping an eye on Castellanos's hit streak and all of the doubles he is racking up. You can, as always, find us on Twitter at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm at BCB Sarah and Andy is at 
briz underscore blue. Uh, chat with us on Twitter. Tell us what you're thinking about. And we will come back to you again after this Red Series and look ahead to the Cubs next series. Have a good one. Bye.